Welcome to the first episode of Dating While Tamil, brought to you by MyTamilDate.com, the best place to meet Tamil singles from Canada, the US, the UK, literally anywhere that has an internet connection. It's the best, trust me. This podcast really is about, I know we got TC Talks Gold, but this one's a little more focused on the, the dating scene, sexuality, dating within, with, outside of the community. We're talking about what you find sexually attractive. Is it based on colonialism? Is it not? If that's too harsh, just what's locker room talk really about? Are people throwing in too much information these days? Butt stuff? Everything. Everything in between. And not the prettiest segue, but our first guest is someone who I want to call a pioneer. Her name is Madusha, and she's really going to tell you what she's been up to. And I, I hope that you stick by this episode and many to come, because we're just going to be unpacking some shit, and it's going to be great. All right. Welcome, Madusha. How are you today? I am good. How are you? It's a, not too cold. It's all good. I really like Alive. the pattern you're wearing. Thank you. It's actually it's... from like the men's section, which is always a lot more comfortable for some reason. Still in 2020, almost 2021, but well, here's here the we thing. Are. I have a lot. I um when I go into those some of those stores like uh, Ritzia, Zara, and stuff, I find that some of the hoodies for women fit me way better. It's just, so I, I wear like a medium-sized woman, so. Yeah, you know. well, I, I guess it's just fitted a little bit better versus like that boxier cut that they do for men's clothing, assuming that everyone is like shaped like a box. I don't know. I don't know what they're assuming these days, but you know, it's actually funny. I was buying soccer jerseys, so I bought a men's and then I, I had an inkling. If I buy this woman's medium, would that fit? So the men's is straight cut, like super straight, but they're just not accounting for the hips on, on me, right? So yeah. The woman is like, Whoop. so it's fitting it's me a lot better. It's making me look great. So I'm yeah, I mean, that. gendered clothing is, <laughs> is not a thing, right? We just make it a thing. So I mean, I, I get why means. it started that way, but like, come on. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you found something that works for you. And just like, I found something that works for me. Men's that clothing. Yeah. So tell me, Mabusha, um, I'm sure people are watching, listening and thinking uh yeah who, who, who is Madusha like why are we interviewing her what you have to do with um, anything yeah good question I asked myself that as well I'm just kidding Every um, morning, right? <laughs> I know so my name is Madusha Senthal I am the founder of Dane Pot which is associated with Dane X which I'm sure to a lot of people is like what the hell is that um so Dane Pot is a sexual health and wellness store e-commerce store so basically we sell sex toys um and along the wellness line and then Thane X is the six like I guess the sister brand but it's an online publication that focuses solely on um, sexuality sex but more broadly in the South Asian community Thane X is directly supported by Thane Pot so if you pay or purchase off of Thane Pot, then you automatically support Thane X, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I do. Um, and I guess that's why I'm here. Yeah, when you put that X there, it just makes it sound cool, right? Like so I know, some sort I of know. exclusivity to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so obviously we come, we're, we live in a world, I mean, innately at home growing up with uh, a repressed sexual nature. Let's not dance around that. It's, it's very obvious. Oh yeah. Why, why is it that, you wanted to pursue something like this, putting yourself out there. It shouldn't even be phrased as putting yourself out there, but it is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, it is. And I think, I guess I should start by saying like, 
the name itself, Thane Pot. Um, it is catered towards like the Tamil community, the South Asian broader community. But as like a Tamil woman myself, it is catered towards the Tamil community, hence Thane, which is Tamil for honey, um, honey pot. So I guess for me, it was mainly because I was finding that we were having a lot of conversations internally amongst friends. Like I'm 29 years old, so I'm not, you know, 18, but I'm also not older, no, I suppose, no, but no, some would debate that. But um, yeah, just these conversations were so frequent, but yet they weren't being had publicly and as progressive and as, you know, forward moving as our community says they are, or we like to think we are. It was interesting that we weren't having these public conversations, especially because we are seeing a much younger generation who is a lot more vocal about their sexuality and sexual well-being, but at the same time, they're also a lot younger. So they're not being given this guidance that they should probably have in regards to their sexual health and wellness. Um, but that also goes for older people as well. So the original idea was this platform, this platform for people to share their stories, um, whether they have personal stories or whether they have stories as a professional health provider, whichever the case, we just wanted a hub, right, for women, trans, queer folks to come to um, and have a place that openly discussed things like sexuality and sex and wellness and unpacked all that stuff, whether it be from the lens of someone looking at it from a trauma healing perspective or someone who's looking at it from more of a self-liberating, like self-love care type of perspective. Um, so yeah, this platform was the original idea. Um, but in order to do that, another thing that I really wanted to do was make sure that we were able to, to sustain it properly and also pay people for their labor. And I think that is another issue, especially amongst our community and our community, meaning the Tamil community, is that there is still this expectation of free labor. Um, so I need to figure out how yeah. do we address that um, and how do we make sure that it can sustain itself in the long run. Um, so the sex shop idea came around, right? And it tied together really well because, again, it's such a taboo topic. Um, but I know yeah. that a lot of people were exploring it right quietly. It's just something that they don't want to talk about, which is a shame. And hopefully we will bring about that discourse and those conversations. Um, and we have like this Thane Paw has been a thing for about three months now. And the number of Tamil women in general who have, you know, either purchased something or sent us a message is extraordinary. And even for myself, I thought we would see, you know, maybe a couple of people here and there. Um, but we hit like almost 1500 people a week, like on our shop alone. Um, so there's clearly that need there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just our way of taking something that was already happening, that was already being discussed by very hush-hush and bringing mm -hmm. it to a forefront so that we can, one, get rid of all the misrepresentation, misinformation, but also provide a space for other people to share and learn and unpack and do all those other great things. Well, that was a mouthful. It was, for sure. I Obviously, um, I mean, kudos to you, because like I said, you are, in a sense, putting yourself out there. I mean, you were just saying how there have been counter Instagram posts and, and negative feedback on mm -hmm. any social creating accounts to bash you saying, look at this woman creating this stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. I mean, there's this, there's this thing that it's usually men. Like, let's be honest. It's usually the Tamil men who seem to be really upset with the fact that, you know, Tamil women are now talking about this stuff. Um, but yeah, there, there are accounts, there are people who make fake accounts or make fake posts or even send me messages saying things like, oh, you have a sex shop. Is that like you're a great ambition? Well, no, I do a lot of other things. But yeah, it's actually one of my proudest um, accomplishments. And I did start it. So like, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. It's not like I'm hiding behind the fact that, oh, this is me. This is definitely me. This is my baby. Um, and I I stand by it 100%. But with anything, and I think, you know, as a creator yourself, you have seen, there's always going to be people who are upset with the work that you do and the work that you put out, no matter, Absolutely. yeah, no matter how good it is or bad it is, there's always someone there to critique it. So you just got to keep pushing and knowing that what you're doing is for a greater cause or community. And then, yeah, just go from there, I guess. And I'm sure like, out of mind. we're, we're going to jump off uh, specifically talking about what you created, but I'm sure you just as much negative feedback as you've gotten you've probably gotten a lot of positivity in those inboxes as well right yeah I we've seen some really amazing messages that um we wake up to and yeah I think that's what matters at the end of the day so yeah and and you're right I mean being a part of TC whenever we wrote and you've written at full anything that's Mm -hmm. a little suggestive a little counter intuitive to their own personal thoughts or even their group speak you have all the negativity coming out, especially on those Facebook message boards, which are awesome to read to my, to be honest. If there's vitriol and, and crap going around, we love it. I mean, that's what we want. We want to spark the discussion. And I remember going yeah. to some of the, before the pandemic and, and before, way before the pandemic, when we were doing, when we were doing the show, TC, um, TC on the street, you'd have people come up to me and say, hey, um, I saw this article on TC and it was talking about, you know, sexuality and like sex in the bedroom. And I'm like, oh, do you want us to talk about it outside the bedroom? And, he's, and then this person said, this, this is someone I know, this is someone I've known for a while. And he said, I don't think that's something you should talk about. Nobody wants to really uh, hear it. I'm like, oh man, those comments disagree. I mean, there are a lot of likes on that post. It was one of our hottest mm-hmm. hitting posts at that time. So you could just see like, even someone I knew would come up, they, they had like no fear in coming up to me and saying, speaking their mind, which is great. That's what we want. And mm-hmm. they were still like, whoa. And this was only like five, six years ago. I mean. That's very, very recent. Do you think the conversation is changing even with the younger generation because you were speaking about how they have adopted more of a free speak model? Yeah. Um, I always say that I give almost all the credit to the younger generation, right? Um, I'm not sure if you're a part of Tamil Twitter, but that is a thing. Um, And I feel like that old person who is just like kind of creeping in on these like 20 year olds, but um, basically they've, yeah, they're very progressive. And it's like, it's like Twitter after dark. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, good for you. You know, you guys are like 19 year old Tamil kids who grew up, I'm sure with just the same amount of conservative upbringing that most of us probably grew up with, but you just have that, like, I don't give a damn attitude which I think is great because it it has to do with themselves right it has to do with their autonomy and I think that the fact that it's so normalized to them is inspiring um and it's because people like them exist that I think that even us 
the older generation are able to do the things we do, right? I I know we like to say that we paved this way or we created this or we started this and we might have because we have the resources and we have that age behind it and whatever it is, right? But at the end of the day, it's them who steer that conversation and it's them that are having these what is considered bold conversations and addressing them in a way that we were too scared to do growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so a hundred percent of the credit does go to them, I think. And for me personally, those are the people who inspire me. It's the ones who make these comments online talking about their autonomy or like what they want to have right now at 2 AM in the morning. And I'm like, by all means, live your best life, sis, if that's what you want. Um, And yeah, so I think that it has shifted from when you were talking about how someone came up to you six years ago. And I'm sure these same people would still come up to us today, right? In 2020 and have the, but it it really matters about how we change that discourse and how we unpack these things. And the more uncomfortable we make people, the more we contribute in normalizing it. Oh, absolutely. I think you mentioned you mentioned um, have, having those uh, conservative parents, right? And maybe that hasn't changed. Do you think the conversations between the, the kids, the kids, the, the young adults and, and their parents right now, do you think that's different? I want to say yes and no. I think we're seeing a lot more diversity in the types of upbringings that people are having because we have seen messages from like Gen Z saying things like their parents have been a little bit more open with them about, you know, sex and their health and their wellness. But then we still see young people who come up to us and say that, oh, their parents don't talk about it at all and they can never bring it up. Right. So I think that, yes, it is different in a sense that we're seeing a a small shift in like the liberalism, I guess, if you want to call it that um, mentality. But I think it's like a half and half right now. I think we're slowly getting there, but there is still a lot of work to be done. Hey, I guess uh, any progress is good progress. But I think we all remember um, (laughs) watching a Thumbel movie as a child or even just like in our teens with our parents. And then, you know, the protagonist is seeking out their love interest and then they finally get together. And then the song is about threading the needle Mm -hmm. and they're under a waterfall. And then you start getting it and you're like, are they banging right now? Is this a metaphor for banging? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. happening? And, and, that's you, like- and you look at your parents and you're like, do they? They, they know, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. It, it, I wonder if it's that awkward right now. But that's like Tamil, that's Tamil cinema in general. Like we have someone, someone unpacked, someone did do a post about this in particular to one song um, from Pariyapa, which is like this 90s and 80s kid favorite, right? But um when you get older, obviously, like you said, you start realizing, wait, this this has like some subliminal meaning. It's not even subliminal, let's be honest, right? Like oh, it's it's um, right in your face. Yeah, but it's almost every single song though. But yet that is so normalized. Like the poetic lyrical version of describing sex and like and not just like intimacy and passion, but like sex, right? Oh yeah, is, it's just is normal. throwing down music, you know? It's, yeah. It's but yet that's that's good. But point, if yeah. you take it away from the metaphor, then all of it all of a sudden it becomes like inappropriate. That that's true. <laughs> I'm just I'm just uh, laughing at all the those awkward moments that probably weren't awkward because no one wanted to acknowledge anything. And nope. all you wanted to do is kind of leave the room <laughs> with that poker happened. face though. They have great poker faces for sure, camel parents. 
yeah, you know they do. Because I wonder if they're equally thinking, do our kids know what's happening? <laughs> and and please don't don't ask the questions because you will just not get the answers. They'll tell yeah, you to no. go get some tea or something. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Do you um, you know, with with all of the the openness of today's world, do you think there's actually any type of negative like any negative consequence to being this open? Because I feel like that's where people who are a little conservative, um, they're worried about that. They're worried about, oh, this will pollute like our minds, mm-hmm. mind control from the government, you know, or or their kids yeah. will be polluted or they'll, they'll go astray. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting you say that because when I first started um, ThanePot, one of my good friend's parents who I really, I love, and they always have my best interest at heart, were genuinely concerned and asking her, or telling her that this might affect my future. But my future, as in I'm a 29-year-old woman who is quite, you know, well into my career at this point. Um, but it's 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 interesting how they were so concerned that even at my age, that this was going to affect me, right? And it was out of genuine mm-hmm. concern. So I can only imagine how if I were younger or even younger people today, um, how their parents might react or the people around them might react. But the reality is by equipping young people with this information and giving them well I guess it comes down to the fact that you treat them like they're smart because they are smart right like we treat them like they're stupid and these kids are not stupid right um and so we're insulting their intelligence they already know this stuff they live in an internet age right so if you're not telling them then the internet is going to tell them stuff and so instead of having that misinformation whether it be from porn or from other people right you rather have these discussions with them so that they're informed and that they have all the knowledge they need in order to make better informed decisions about their own body. Um, And that fear of if we tell our kids these stuff, they're going to be more sexual is is false, right? If anything, I think that it's going to allow them to make better decisions for themselves, whatever that may look like, whether it be sexually active or not sexually active, either way, it's going to happen. So you rather them be informed and make these decisions in a way that is healthy to themselves then, you know, get into a situation where they're not equipped with the information and then they're going to learn it from places that you don't get to really monitor. Um, Yeah, so I think it just goes down into this messy cycle. And these things, I think at the end of the day, they're going to come in contact with. So the best thing you could do is make sure that they get the right information. That was a a great PSA and that should be an Instagram ad probably. 100%. No jokes, it should be. Yeah, I mean. No, I I agree, especially especially because like even look at look at ourselves, right? We're we're not nineteen, obviously. We've we've been there, done that. I mean, sometimes my mind is there, but yeah. Yeah, but just even in terms of where we have gotten information from growing up, definitely porn played a huge role in that. But like the porn industry is so complicated, right? There's just all these issues with it in itself so imagine a being being like this not even 18 we keep saying 18 and 19 but kids are our youngest like 13 12 right Absolutely. they're getting their information from people that just want to you know have sex but not teach right so it's, it's just it's this like big snowballing effect that i think people need to like admit is a thing um and that's how we go forward yeah it's funny how they uh some of those detractors said Oh, aren't you thinking about your future? I mean, firstly, 
it's not like you've done a sex tape and it was released. Secondly, yeah. I'm Paris Hilton and obviously Kim have done great, great in whatever industry based on that sex tape. So maybe it's not such a bad idea anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, listen, like having obviously if someone is leaking a private sex tape, then that is a, a very, very oh, that's, huge that's concern. A issue, of course, but yes. yeah, even if you did have a sex tape that you released yourself, you know, mutually, because that's just something you wanted to do, then by all means, that still doesn't affect your future. Like you said, there are people who are very successful in what they do that is still not tied to whatever sex tape that they had in the past. Right. So yeah, it's just like this disillusion of what this all means and the fear tactic, just like in Mean Girls, where they said something like, you know, if you have sex, you die. Or yeah, if you have, if if you, yeah, if you don't use protection, you you will get pregnant and die or something. Mm -hmm. That gym teacher was hilarious because he's the one who was end up, ended up with underage girls. Yep. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Shout out to Mean Girls. What a great movie. Shot mm -hmm. in Toronto also. Also, an interesting fact. I did not know that, but that movie is, yeah, it's in those movies too. Like again, that's also where people get information from, right? If it's not from porn or from other people it's from movies and tamil songs maybe even you know it's funny um touching upon the porn angle but even let's go a little step below that i remember when online dating first showed up and then obviously mm -hmm. um there's like stuff like my tamil date and shoddy.com all those things but i would have these conversations with individuals who seemed like they weren't in the prime um demographic of dating maybe a little older maybe a little younger and they were always worried that someone else is going to see me on the site that I know. And, 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 you know, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. It's almost like they, it, to them, it was like admitting some sort of failure just because they were on a dating site, which I thought was hilarious. I think the, the evolution of that now is if you see someone on OnlyFans that, you know, I think that's like the evolution, but you know how big OnlyFans is now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, I, I mean, these, there's so many women on there killing it on OnlyFans and oh, yeah. kudos to them because, I mean, I wish I had the guts they had. I obviously do not. Um, but yeah, they're they're killing it. And the same with the dating. Yeah, definitely when my Tamil date, for instance, as like Tamil people, obviously we can speak to this more directly. Um, when that became a thing, everyone was like, oh my God, like I can never be caught on that. It was like a shame thing, right? Yet these oh, same people were on um like traditional They're dating apps like Tinder, Tinder yeah. and stuff, yeah. which, which it, it didn't make sense, right? It's like, why are we so like we we carry the shame when it's involved around our culture and our community, yet we're okay with it when we are able to step out of it, which is unfortunate. But it goes again to talk about how we carry shame when it comes to our identities and how we view sex and dating and intimacy within that bubble. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just taking a step to think about that carrying shame i mean if you want to give that stereotype of being catholic then yeah you're we're all carrying shame until we go to confession um but <laughs> carrying shame is a big is a big part of it and yes uh, you're right I, I wasn't privy to a lot of those conversations because they knew i was from tc and they're like ooh, you know i don't want to talk to him Insider. about my day you know like he might go talk to the top brass but it, it, it is interesting that, like you mentioned, they would be on Tinder, right? And um, mm -hmm. and I've, I've had those moments when I was on Tinder. I also found my wife on Tinder. So, you know. Amazing. It, it works, I guess. It's a modern but, day love story. <laughs> I suppose so. So the, the funny thing is, I remember swiping and I would see someone who's double on there. And, you know, I would loosely know who she is. And I'm sure she would know who I am. 
whatever. And, and that thought would come across my mind. And, and I don't find myself as conservative as the next person, maybe. So I'm like, huh, I wonder if um, this is a big decision. Do I swipe right? So I'll swipe right. And if I don't get that swipe right back, I'm like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's just my own thing. But it, it, I know that for someone who's a little more conservative, that might be a shock to see that someone else has seen them. And, yeah. and, and that's a very interesting conversation itself with uh with your aspect of carrying shame yeah but you know what's interesting don't want to admit it yeah but there's the other thing of of that is that i actually know people who are thumble who will try to find other thumble people on On tinder Tinder. yeah they're so so embarrassed to actually go on a platform well that will only give you the same thing that you're looking for um i never understood that concept but there are so many people that i do know who do that they're like oh i can't find any tamil guys here well you know there is a dating platform for just thumble people you know so it's interesting yeah it's it's definitely psychology yeah i guess it's definitely like the psychology behind it I don't know. I'd have or to maybe go to school. Yeah, please. We all have to go to school to figure things out, especially now. I also found that a lot of people that are older end up going back to school anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. for, for anyone thinking that's that's a thing. But yeah. I, I do think it's funny because like, um, yeah, the whole community will know that you're on uh, my Tamil date or whatever. But then on Tinder, it's like very anonymous almost until you're discovered. But also, I think another factor was maybe, um, and I don't want to label anything here because I was on Tinder as well, but it's like, you're on my time all day. It's like a, it, it seems like a serious thing. Like if I meet this person, there has to be some sort of respect involved and I can't ghost them maybe because that will spread right. around the community. But on Tinder, mm-hmm. we, can, we can just throw down. It's all good. And then we can ghost each other. And then it's all good. That's true. <laughs> right? yeah. And I think maybe that's involved, but I, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. Do you think that they're looking at it more from the perspective of like my Tamil date, I guess, is like the new age version of arranging like your parents basically introducing you to people. Right. Except you're cutting your parents out of it. And it's just you basically going through all these profiles to see if there's a match. Right. It's just like the same thing, except it's on your terms. You're taking out the parent, like the parental aspect of it or guardian aspect of it. Um, and it's the more serious thing. But at the same time, I do know people who look for serious things on like serious things, serious relationships on Tinder. So I don't know. Um, but I do think that a lot more, maybe it's like the age thing now. Like I'm obviously my friends are around the same age as me. So um, I know that they're, they're a lot more open to my Tamil date so maybe again it is the fact that they're older and they view it as something that is more serious that um it is a space where they can potentially find someone that they want to you know get married to and build with so yeah who knows (laughs) so um I think uh I always hear the term and I'm I'm deviating a little bit but I always because I consider myself a man and I identify myself as a man but Mm -hmm. there's that term of male you know being toxic right mm-hmm. do you think that that there is anything unique to the thumble tamil whatever you want to call it male and how toxic that person can be because it seems like every community has their thing right and you think there's something unique here um I th- it's hard to say i think the only reason that we can the only reason that we even talk about Tamil men in general is because we're Tamil women and we interact the most with Tamil men, right? So um, I know that a lot of Tamil 
men feel like we're always attacking them, but you're from the same community, you know, like I can't talk about, I don't know, like an Indian man, I'm not Indian, or I'm, I can't talk about an Italian guy, like Italian men, I'm not Italian, right? It's not my community. I didn't grow up around them. Um, and in terms of like the toxicity, um, it, it's it's difficult to address. I know like I say it too, right? Like men, Tamil men are trash or, um, you know, Tamil men are toxic, but I have, I've had these interesting conversations with a few friends who are also men um, and we unpack it, right? It's the fact that they also grow up being very conservative and they are taught these things, right? It's not something that they collectively picked up and they're like, yeah, we're going to be toxic. It's because they've been taught what a man should look like, right? Like they've yeah. been, ta- they've been told that they can't be as emotional, you know, that they have to be like these protectors of culture and community, that they have to look after their women, um, that they have to keep culture intact. So I think after being raised in a certain way, um, they've, they've embodied that it's just who they are. So their toxicity is just something that I feel like a lot of them just naturally like, you know, seep out, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's, well, I mean, I'm sure there are some men who try to just intentionally be harmful, but I don't think that this overall, this overall arching thing, exactly. Um, I don't think that it is because they're Tamil, that means they're automatically toxic. I just think that there's a lot to unpack and unlearn as a community overall, and what we've teached boys growing up, um, that then plays into what we consider to be toxic habits and behaviors today. I think it'll be interesting when um, our generation is a little older and we have our kids and they're growing up. Sorry. Woo. My is that your dog? A second. Yeah, because no my worries. dad's leaving. Sorry, give him a second. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. The older he gets, he's developed this thing where any noise he gets like. Oh, yeah. My, if, if my dog hears something in the hallway just a little, she'll start barking. She'll, she'll, Jimmy. she'll be out of tension. Jimmy. Yeah, the dog. His vet says that it's an old age thing. They, I'm like, okay. Oh, really? Accept it. Oh, that's, yeah. That's so interesting. They said that they, the older they get, the more sensitive they become to like noises and sounds. And they just, I don't know. You know what's interesting? Um, and this has nothing to do with anything, but I think it's an interesting point because your dog's name is Jimmy, and my dog's name is Ella, and those are not Tamil names at all. No. <laughs> do you know why? Do you know why people name them? Have you heard why they name them English names? Is there a thing? Yeah, there's this thing back home that they say. Oh back so, home? You mean like which back home? Back home in Ulam or Sri Lanka or like okay. wherever yeah, yeah, you're wherever, from. Yeah. yeah. So um, there, there's this, when I was there, someone was telling me, I'm like, oh, why don't you name them like a Tamil name? I'm like, call your dog Balasundaram or something, yeah. right? Um, and they're like, Krishna no, Murphy. they're like, no, that's insulting. And I was like, what? Oh, because for us, we tr- like for us, our dogs are like our kids, right? Like they obviously loved their dogs too, but for us, it's, but they were like farm dogs, right? Yeah. 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 Like we cuddle and sleep with our dogs. <laughs> so for them, Absolutely. I'm like, oh, why? And they're like how they originally started naming dogs, white names or like British names as like an insult. Yeah. Colonial names. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow, so that's, that's so... where it came from. That's Damn, what they say. So something. that's amazing. Yeah. That's so amazing. if you yeah. if you're when they started naming their dogs like Jimmy and all these things, it was almost like an insult to the white man, basically. The white man. <laughs> another <laughs> another that. evil contender. Uh, I love that term. Oh man, you know because I'm myself in an interracial relationship, we we talk about um, 
the intersectionality within sex and race and the hierarchy of races in the media and how, mm -hmm. how that seeps into everyone's minds. I mean, um, I'll give you an example for um, people who date Tamil men that are outside of the Tamil community. I'm interchanging how you say Tamil, but whatever. So, um, they, I asked them, like, what do you think of like the, the Tamil people you meet? And they're like, oh, you know, I've dated some Tamil guys and you know, they're, they're all kind of mama's boys. What's up with that? And I'm mm -hmm. like, that's, uh, I, I never thought about that. So I addressed that with some Tamil women and they're like, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> have you heard that? Or is that something, an yeah. observation you've no, come across? I have heard that, but I also do believe that. And I think, again, it goes back to the fact how our culture treats men, right? Um, yeah. Or boys growing up because they're considered to be- yeah, or the ones that are meant to like take care of the family because they back in the day it was assumed that once your daughter got married she left the family right so it was a son who stayed back to take care of the parents when they got older and stuff so a lot of it is tied to like olden day practices um mm -hmm. and it's just that you know i don't know if you can hear the background is that okay no I, I, okay I'm good. I yeah Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that it's it's just that these olden day practices haven't evolved, right? Like mm -hmm. even though things have changed, there are a lot of Tamil women who take care of their families now solely, like, you know, without any help, yet we still maintain these practices of prioritizing the Tamil boys or coddling the Tamil boys and men because we've, we're so used to this cultural practice where we did give them like, you know, the head seat at the table because they were the ones who were considered to be the the men of the family or like the breadwinner or the caretaker so yeah i do agree i think that practice is still very much uh, alive and i see it like i mean I, I i come from a household with an older brother too right so it, it's it exists right it's not i don't think for the most part like some families i don't think they try to do it in a way that's harmful but they do end up grow or like raising boys who become men who do have that mama's boy coddled <laughs> behavior type mentality it, it i mean from personal experience i know my my parents definitely tried to coddle me and and do mm -hmm. everything for me they they were like you don't need to get a job we'll, we'll be you'll be good i'm like but i want my own money you know <laughs> like i don't want to be monitored all this time i want to buy stuff what if i wanted to buy a, a, a sex toy right like yeah it would have 100%. they would know yeah they, you know, back then the, the the discreet packaging wasn't really available, right? So I mean, there's discreet toys too. If you looked at toys today, you would think it's just like a really pretty home decor piece. Oh no, I oh I'm I'm well aware of that. I mean, I've helped um, some of my female friends move, so mm -hmm. I, I know what that's about. And without, I'm not throwing my wife under the bus because I mean, every woman usually has product, but she has product, and I know what they look like, and I, yeah. I'm like testing them too. I'm like, this is from a tech perspective this is very interesting for me yeah no that's right? my partner as well like when my partner's here they, they don't live here they're from the uk but when they're down here they Ooh. look at the toys too and they're like oh whoa what like you know it, that's so loud that's so fast 12 12 vibrations like it's just speeds. so interesting i know it's such it's such a like intriguing thing um I mean, even for myself, like every time I'm like sourcing new products and, you know, talking to manufacturers and businesses, I'm just like, whoa, it does what? Like when you think it can't get any more innovative, it does. Um, so it's crazy. Yeah. What's, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm putting you on the spot. What's uh, the best seller? You, you know, what's interesting. Our best seller is a dilator. 
um, okay. which you're probably like, okay, what, what's that? Um, it's basically for folks who have discomfort with penetration, right? Right. Nope, I understand. And oddly enough, we've sold like almost a hundred of those, um, which is our top selling product. Um, and I also Looking think that, that it, and then, so basically, yeah, so it, it has, it starts you off with like a training kit, right? It starts with a smaller piece and then it gradually gets larger and larger and larger. So you can basically train your vaginal muscles. And, um, and I think that again, speaks to the fact that we're having all these challenges within our community and our space that no one ever talked about like we've had women who are married who've purchased this and who've reached back out to us saying that they've always had discomfort with sex with their partners right and they always thought it was they always thought there was something wrong with them and they didn't realize that this was such a common concern or like a common challenge that so many people with like vaginas faced um And so that was interesting, right? Is that it's not something that you have to be a virgin to to purchase. It's these people who have been in relationships, who have been married, um, that are having these challenges, but no one ever talked about them. So they've been living life thinking that there's something wrong with them when they're in fact very normal, right? Um, So yeah, that is actually a top selling product, which is like a trainer. Um, But in terms of like- The dilator beginner kit, that looks- yeah substantial i'll say that yeah so yeah i think i think owning the the sex shop itself as well gives me really good insight in terms of people's experiences and behaviors and just i guess overarching like challenges that they may be facing with their health or their wellness um even people with pcos it's also a common challenge yes. that they yep. face yep. too so yeah yeah that's a very tough to get over Mm -hmm. um pretty sure i just uh dropped some water but that's cool so uh one of the things that i always thought and and maybe we're going to get some into some personal perspective here is you know growing up being uh, identifying as straight uh, and and most of my crew that i was with identified as straight we we would always have those conversations right like we would be like and maybe it was toxic back then we had no idea what was or what wasn't but you know, we'd, we'd be like, oh man, that girl is so attractive. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely like to hit that or, or whatever as we grew. And, and we'd have those intimate conversations, what we considered intimate. And then as we grew and we actually dated and became successful at according some, an object of our desire or just dating or even being married, we'd have those conversations. And I noticed that with some people, um, whatever they identify as, they would still be reluctant to talk about some of their experiences. And, and that's okay, because personal experiences are, yes, personal, but not even like old experiences from 10 years ago. And I, and I noticed, oh, they're like, oh, it's TMI. And for me, I'm a very open person, so that's my own thing. But do you think that, uh, in your experience, do you have uh, crews or, or people that you have very intimate talking um, conversations with? I, I'm talking about, we went out and they put their hand on my arm and, uh, and, my, and my goosebumps started flaring. So I just started on but And you know, like really mm-hmm. graphic because some people are really not into that. And, I, and, and some people are. Do you have any uh, like observations on that? I don't even know what I'm asking. Yeah, uh, no, I think I know <laughs> what you're asking. But um, before that, even just in terms of like when Let's you go, were yeah. that growing up, um, you and a bunch of young boys, right? I'm assuming you guys were quite young at that point would see an attractive person that you're attracted to and you say oh I want to hit that and again I think that comes back to the fact that as you know 
straight men or straight boys, you're taught to like sexualize women and exactly them as asexual objects versus like, oh, she's so attractive. I want to get to know her. Like your first instinct is, oh, I want to do something that is um, a benefit for myself where I ejaculate, right? And, so, and, and at the yeah. time we didn't even know what, what to do, right? <laughs> exactly. And that just goes to show how as a society we've normalized the objectification of young girls or women. So yeah, I just want to point that out. But as oh, an aside for what you're saying, um, I find that women are a lot more open with their own friends, like friends as in other women. Um, like my, I have a lot of, like I have many friends who are quite conservative when it comes to their social image or how they're portrayed on the outside. But internally, the conversations they have are quite detailed, right? About their intimate interactions and encounters with the opposite sex. Um, so yeah, I think that for women, they tend to be quite open in like a closed group of people that they trust. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same for men. I feel like, again, even with men and sexuality, again, that in itself is toxic because they're taught that, like, for instance, size matters. I don't think that that is okay either. And I, I think that I have also being young and maybe also toxic in my behavior, have weaponized things like that. But that is also a form of body shaming, right? You can't help things like size so that is also not okay which I think um is a discussion that needs to be had as well but again that's what men are raised to think is that they have to be a certain way and their quote manhood is dependent on how they either perform or what size they may be um so I can understand the reluctance and many men even feeling shame when sharing with their own boys because there's that bro culture of oh I can't let them know that I couldn't perform or I couldn't let them know that you know it didn't go as well as porn has taught me it should have gone right so um yeah I think there's a I think even in terms of like men I think it's a little bit different as opposed to women who are taught that they can openly share with their girlfriends about their experiences, but men on the other hand, even if they're really close with these guys and they know that these men would probably never even say a word to another person, they still feel that reluctancy and sharing these things with them because they've been brought up to think that if it doesn't go X, Y, and Z way, then there's something wrong with you. Oh, absolutely. And I just want to shout out to everyone who who doesn't consider them in the box of men or, or women, because yeah. I can't speak for you. I, I just don't want to even assume, but mm -hmm. uh, we will have some content about that. Some people who represent everything later. It's just, yeah. I am talking to Madusha cis. who considers himself. Yeah. A cis, yeah. You know, I'm cisgendered. I'm cis male, right. So, yeah. And yeah, like, and that's a very important point too, right? Because all these experiences and things that we're sharing, Mm -hmm. H, they're different depending on who you are and your own experiences and um, even like that whole toxicity it, it goes even further for a lot of people who don't fit what society considers to be in the box right so um, just conversations which I think again it goes back to the fact that these conversations are important to be had because it's not so black and white so the fact that we ourselves as cisgendered folks feel I guess the sense of like being oppressed i guess with sexuality i can only imagine how everyone else also feels oh right so there's Just that imagine, privilege yeah. yeah we definitely are we definitely have that privilege which is scary because we already feel so closed off so 
yeah, I think these conversations are important and they need to being they need to be had in order for us to actually start addressing um, addressing very important conversations in this community. Yeah, I mean, like in, in the context of that, you think like for me, like as a cis- cisgendered male, I'm growing up thinking, I want to tell my mom that I'm interested in this girl. I tell her, she's like, just stay away from women. And this is like grade six, obviously. Yeah. She's, she's just thinking, you know, survival of the fittest immigrant parents, you know, it's not about that. It's about getting you out there and then we'll figure that out. Now think that you're interested in the uh, a sex that they have no idea why you'd be interested in. How, how, how about having that conversation? I mean, that, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd there's, be so scared. You'd be so ostracized. It's crazy. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. A, there's a great group of Tamil folks in our community who um, have been that voice for the queer Tamil community. And they've even had the queer, the Tamil queer, or the queer Tamil collective, sorry. Um, and even on like my podcast, Dash the Cuddy, there, we've had folks like Abi. Huh? Um, who has shared their own experience, right, when it comes to sexuality and identity and all those things. So um, those conversations are also being had. And I think that um, we need to definitely give credit there and know that they're having had. So then therefore, we also have a role in amplifying and giving space to these conversations as well. Um, And yeah, you're right. If we're already so scared to tell our conservative parents that we like the opposite sex, which just is like this heteronormative thing anyways, um, I can only, like you said, imagine what that experience is like for someone who then is not fitting into this like heteronormative box. Yeah, that only their parents know or that only their parents Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge. (sighs) It's scary for sure. I guess just being scared of your parents is another thing, but that's about discipline and growing up and, you know, that's another thing. Yeah, that's like <laughs> tradition and culture and yeah. uh, that's a whole other, I guess you would have to have a whole other podcast for just dedicated to that. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, I just, I do want to thank you for coming here. I want to say it takes guts, but I don't look at it that way. I know some other yeah. people may, but I'm, I want to say also that I'm proud that I can be speaking to someone who is, selling and talking about sexuality because (laughs) growing up man you would never even see someone who's not white on tv or on the internet selling any of that Mm -hmm. and if they weren't white they were certainly not brown either so yeah kudos yeah thank you great thing um yeah thank you and thank you for having me and again for like you said, there's always people who have different opinions and even myself with some of the stuff that we see, obviously I may not agree with it. Um, but again, thanks. Thank you to Tamil culture and just my Tamil date and all these platforms that have in, in a way shifted culture as well. Right. And provided that space for people who do need it. Um, and we're always all learning and growing. Mm-hmm. So I think that is also important to acknowledge and know. Um, but thank you for having me and for being so open to even having these conversations. I think that is, again, the first step. So kudos hey, to you Hey, I mean, when we were doing TC on the street, that's all we wanted. We just wanted some real <laughs> opinions while people were drunk, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't our intention, but, you know, loose lips uh, sort of shink, sink ship, shink, <laughs> sink ship. <laughs> sink ship. But yeah. um, I... I um, I guess let's close this off by saying, where, where can we get your stuff? Where can we find everything? Yeah, so you can find us on ThanePot, so T-H-A-E-N-P-O-T.com. 
Um, and from there, you can go onto our publication, but thanex.com is also somewhere you can go. So T-H-A-E-N-X.com. And we're on Instagram. So you can follow us there if you want to be up to date. Um, yeah, so make sure you purchase so you can support our writers. Um, and we can Absolutely. continue sharing these conversations because they are important. And I think the people who share their stories with us are are truly the ones who have who are brave, right? Because they're putting themselves out there. Um, and I'm glad that we can do the bare minimum of, of providing them that platform. So yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for expressing everything that I wanted you to come in here and express with your amazing men's top and crazy curtains in the back that I can't really see, yes. but sort of see. <laughs> yeah, my grandma <laughs> and, and, curtains. And we, gotta, and we gotta thank Jimmy, of course. Shout out to Jimmy over there. Jimmy. Yes. <laughs> what, how do your parents say uh, Jimmy's name? Uh, they say Jimmy. Jimmy? Oh, okay. Jimmy, okay. Depending. Or like, though he does have like a, ta- a Tamilized version of it. So it's like Jimmy Nodden. I guess, I guess that's what I was after, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Nodden. Yeah, Jimmy Ooh, Nodden. Jimmy Nodden. That's amazing. But yeah. Thank you again for having me here. It was great talking about this. Um, and hopefully yeah, one day um, we'll have this conversation in 10 years and we'll be in a totally different place. Well, you know, I'm, what I'm hoping for is in a, is in a, in a while to have a publication interview you while you have the, the, the devices and you're just like this one, you know, like a segment yeah. you'd see on breakfast television or something. With yes. Like, <laughs> or like the shopping channel. Yeah. Even especially shopping channel 2am. It's like, do I want this? I guess I'll hey, make I'll, this call. <laughs> you know, most of our orders do come in after midnight. So you oh, know why. Absolutely. You know yeah. why. You know I wake why. up to the orders. It's never usually during the day. It's like when I that, wake up, I see like six orders. So that's that's some good gratification there. Yep. 